0: got all the stuff from their bio, so I will let them come and introduce themselves. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. We're good at introducing ourselves because we've known ourselves for a while, (laughs) so thank you. we we are Scott and Emily Armstrong. Uh, If you heard us speak yesterday, you heard us translate ourselves, but we're not going to do that this morning. Uh, But we did bring some of the passages in Spanish, so if you see some slides with some Spanish, uh, you'll know that that's why that's on there, because we are bilingual speakers. Uh, We have a family, and our son is going to be 20 in May. He's a freshman at Olivet Nazarene University in Bourbonnais, and he is studying business administration and International Business. And our daughter, Sydney, is 18. She's going to graduate college and or graduate high school. And she has decided to go to another Nazarene University that's out in San Diego, California, that's called Point Loma Nazarene University. And she plans on studying political science. And you can see that family picture. We also have a dog. If you're a dog lover, our dog's name is Rocket. And he's two years old. Uh, We come from the Mesoamerica region. And the Mesoamerica region is one of six global world regions all over the world. We've got Nazarenes in 163 different countries. So when we sing a song that's right, When we sing a song about the same God from 2,000 years ago, from all of eternity, it's the same God that we are worshiping all over the world, all over the world every single day, not just on Sundays, right? And so Mesoamerica is where we get to live. We live in the Dominican Republic, which is in the Caribbean. Yes, we suffer for Jesus in the Caribbean there is suffering for Jesus in the Caribbean, right? We, we invite you to come and into the Caribbean with us at some point in time. And we get to serve all of the countries, 32 different nations. What we do is regional coordination, it's called. So we get to be in touch with Nazarenes from Mexico down to Panama, all of the Caribbean nations, and then three nations in South America are also part of Mesoamerica region. We wanted to thank you this morning for receiving us, for being a part of what we're doing all over the Church of the Nazarene. I know that when you're a part of the table, that you are giving missionary offerings, that you pray for missions, and we are a direct result of those prayers we're a direct result of any of those missionary offerings that you're giving, and we are so thankful. We are getting ready to spend 20 years in a career of missions, and it's because of churches just like this that continue to pray for us, that continue to give to missions, and so one thing that I like to tell local churches is even though you're going to hear a very specific story from us, this is really just a snapshot of what Nazarene churches are doing all over the world. We're going to tell you a one or two little stories, but you could multiply that by 10,000, and we're all doing God's work together. We're all a part of what's going on all over the world, so thank you. I would like you, if you have your Bible or if you have an app, I'd love to invite you to open that up this morning. We are going to be in a passage in Mark. Mark is one of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the second Gospel if you're in the New Testament. And in Mark chapter 8, if you don't uh, have that or find it, you can see it up here on the screens. I'm just going to read it to you. Slide. Uh, uh, Mark chapter 8, 22 through 25. It says they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the blind man's eyes and put his hands on, him, Jesus asked, "Do you see anything?" He looked up and said, "I see people. They look like trees walking around." Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly.
1: Have you ever had a, uh, read a Bible passage and had to go back, like rewind? You know, you're like, wait, 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 wait. Like, what just happened? Like, sometimes we read this, some of us who have been around the church for a while, and we may be like, yeah, 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 and then he spit on the, wait, right there. He spit on the guy's eyes. Like, could abracadabra not work? You know, could just, like, touching him not work? Like, what is going on here? And, and for purposes, I mean, we could get into that. I mean, you know, there's, I'm fascinated by that. But I'm also fascinated by the fact that it didn't seem to work. Like, like the first time, was it that, like, Jesus is, like, like, power battery pack was, like, on on halfway, you know? Was it, like, he didn't really have all of the juice there, you know? Like, he's just like, okay, miracle, and what do you see? And the guy's like, I mean, there's, there's like, trees walking around. I think those are people. I've heard they're supposed to be people, but it didn't work, you know? Have you ever read a passage and just thought, this? Did, I, wait, we need to back up. This seems to not be like a lot of the other miracles. And, and and I just wonder for our purposes, without just focusing on spit and other, other things, um, I wonder for our purposes: Have you ever felt like you're in the middle of a miracle? Have you ever have you ever felt like you're you're not you're not you know totally blind? You, know, you have lots of faith. You know God's working, but you're not on the other side yet either. Can can we all admit that the last three years have been really weird? Right? Right? For In missions, like, the last three years have been super weird. I mean, we've had a pandemic. Obviously, I, I know that many preachers have preached about that. We've talked about that. But in missions, I mean, that really affected our ministries. Our ministries specifically are designed to mobilize missionaries. So what we do is if anyone has a missions call, it could be a child, it could be a teen, it could be a, a, a retired couple or a family, Right? You know, if they have a missions call, then we're supposed to mobilize them to the nations. Well, how do you do that during a pandemic? Everything was on lockdown. We were just really discouraged. It was almost as if we were in the middle of it. Lord, yeah, you've called us to this. We're excited about it. But everything, just like that blind man, everything right now seems a little blurry.
0: We have two different regional ministries that we're in charge of, and mobilization of missionaries is one of them. The second one is called Mesoamerica Genesis. And basically, as the entire denomination, we've said we need to have a more specific strategy to reach our big cities. If you look at the big cities all over the world, there are very few Nazarene churches that are in those big cities. Cities are just a hard place to be. I think we can all admit that, right? I think, I think it's very expensive to live there. There's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of pollution. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of a lot, right? And so a piece of what Genesis is is to mobilize missionaries, so that's why we get to be a part of it, to some of those bigger cities, to train them to be a part of that. And so as Scott was saying, when we came into the middle of the past three years, we started to think, what is it that God is doing in this space, we have for 17 years at that point in time kind of always walked the same path that we've always walked. We've, we've seen that God's asked us to do big things, and we've had the faith, and we've seen God do amazing stuff. But we got to 2020, and we started to wonder, what is the amazing thing that God's doing here? Because we felt like everything was stopped. Stopped. We felt like, like what can we be doing in this space when we're supposed to literally be sending people from one nation to another and nobody can move? And so as we continued to pray and seek God's face over the next two to three months, God gave us a vision for what he potentially could be doing. We started to think about the materials that we had already created at other points in time, and we said, you know what? We have got this entire school of leadership that we can be training missionaries, and it's always been like a book, and, and we encourage our local churches to use it in some kind of small group setting. But people really hadn't done that. It's been in existence for 10 years. And wouldn't you know that God had literally created a space in the end of 2019 that all of those books were put online. And so we started to say, all these books are online now. Maybe we could do the School of Leadership, and we could do it online. We could ask people, do you want to study missions instead of a couple days at a time? Do you want to do like a six-month course? And as we started to dream, and, and, and I, Scott and I can dream really big. We can really see what God does. And, and we started to think, if we offered this to 32 different nations, we bet about 25 people would want to be a part of this. Because it's, we don't know. We don't have great internet. We, we don't know how to use Zoom. We don't know... And so we thought 25, that 25, 30, maybe we would be able to get that many people. We could develop all of this material and train people. And so we had put together some promotion, and, and we started kind of pushing it out into our social networks. But, but before the social network, we just kind of floated it with a couple of our people through um, instant messaging, right, through a chat groups that we had. And within 24 hours, over 100 people had said, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> and we were shocked. <laughs> we were really shocked. Like, we weren't quite ready for 100 people to be trained all at the same time. But we thought, God, if this is what you're doing, then we're going to take a step in the faith in this. We're going to say, well, we're used to training missionaries in this way, but you're pushing us into a different way. And so by the middle of 2020, we started eight different classes of the School of Leadership. And we met people like Raquel Raquel was one of our students from the Dominican Republic, and there was, in the Dominican Republic, we lose power all of the time. When you lose power, it turns off your Wi-Fi signal, you don't always have internet, and she had missed an entire class one time, and she texted her teacher, and she said, I'm so sorry, we didn't have electricity, I couldn't be in the class, she said, but can you please send me the recording, because I need this material. We started to see God create a hunger in the people just to be trained in what missions was doing in our region. We are starting to see entire churches and districts be transformed by a material that had been created 10 years ago. But God needed a space in 2020 in order for it to start truly transforming the lives that he had in place.
1: I'm kind of laughing here, because, like we actually put this together, I knew what was coming up on the slide, but like actually seeing one of those pictures where we had our virtual graduation from our guest room, like that, you know, it's like, you know, it just kind of makes me laugh. Uh, like, Lord, we're seeing you work, but it's blurry, right? Um, I have to tell you that the School of Leadership wasn't just, we thought it was to train missionaries, we thought it was to, in time of pandemic, we're going to still Carry on. We're going to still virtually just really equip everyone in missions. But we found out that it was much more than that. I'll give you a few examples. Uh, there came to be like really a support group during this time. Uh, remember, I, I don't know how it is here, uh, but at least in our region. There's more people now, perhaps it's the same here, there's more people now that know someone who has suffered or even died from COVID than people that don't, right? We've had pastors, we've had many lay people, we've had leaders that, that just uh, have, have passed away in the last three years because of COVID. And so, uh, and especially before the vaccines and all of that. And so for that first year here, we're doing this virtual thing and we're thinking the purpose is to train missionaries eventually, right? They can't go out, but we're going to do this. But what it ended up being also was that they'd have a time before they started into the content and in the books and the official missions training that they'd just kind of say any prayer requests. Well, <laughs> I don't know about you. During the pandemic, we had a few, you know. I'm sure that you guys had a few. Um, they started to share. And wouldn't, wouldn't you know that there was somebody that said, hey, my, my aunt is in the hospital right now. And then someone other said, you know, said I'm. I'm so sorry that's happened to you. My my grandpa is is also in the hospital. And then someone else started to talk. You know, and they and they, it became this network where the groups we had small groups where they would learn on Zoom, and those small groups became really close knit. We even had our our facilitators that I I feel like the enemy was trying to attack because he would attack their technology. I mean, he would, all of a sudden things would be fine and then the very night that they're supposed to train, then they'd have no internet and things like that. But even beyond that, we're talking about just in their lives, they were starting to really have have uh, uh, pain, have suffering, their family, even many members were dying because of COVID and things like that. And so As that happened, even our facilitators and even the students would then come around and they would say, oh, our teacher, (laughs) our teacher is suffering. Let's pray for her. Let's pray for him in this time. We started to actually realize another byproduct was this was starting to not just train people, but it was also starting to to really give us an idea who were the next, like going to the next level. We, We... This isn't a university program, although we do have that in in missions, and we do teach uh, often in that. But this was just kind of a place where anyone could come. Anyone. You didn't have to have any requirements. Just come, and we assigned some homework. But it was pretty basic homework, right? And we started to receive from certain people, like, the best homework and projects that we had ever seen. Like, stuff that literally we can use in our region, in our entire 32 countries and adapt a little bit. And we were starting to, well, this person is amazing. And so as we started to realize that this was providing providing something more than just kind of equipping for several months so, you know, some people in missions, we realized God could be really guiding us to note and to, and to, and to take notice of who are the future missionaries in our region.
0: One of the people that participated in one of those classes in 2020 was Dawilda Rodriguez and Dawilda was somebody that was very interesting to us because we didn't really know her but the other missionary that we work with Suque from Mexico she had known her from Santiago Dominican Republic and she said you know Dawilda's been in my class that I've been teaching and I just see a lot of things in her that I feel like God might be calling her to missions she's just really interested she she's got a lot of good questions the projects that we're doing she has some really good things that she's she's putting forth she said I think we need to be intentional with Dawilda And we said, well, that would be great, and and tell us just a little bit more about her. And as we got to know her, Suhei said, you know, I think I want to ask Dawilda to teach in our next round of the School of Leadership. Like, she's been such a great student, I think that she could teach the material the next time that we do it. And so in 2021, Dawilda became a teacher of the same material that she had just learned herself. She was hungry to know what God was doing around the world in missions. She started to feel like God was placing on her life to be a missionary she didn't even really know what a missionary was when she started into this and as we got to know Dawilda's story I started to understand why Dawilda was a young person that was not in the church at all she had come all the way through her mid-20s and she had never really been a part of any church structure she didn't know Jesus she didn't have uh, family members that were receiving her and taking her to church the way that some of us have a testimony like that She continued to just do things on her own. She went to university. She was living with her boyfriend. She had a couple of really rocky experiences. And one day, somebody did invite her to a church service. And she came to know Jesus through the midst of a Nazarene church in Santiago, Dominican Republic she realized there's something more to this Jesus guy, right? Like, like, I don't know exactly who he is, but I know that the life that I was leading, that's not really the life that I need to be living. And as she continued to learn more about Jesus, she said, you know what, I—I I, this relationship that I have with my boyfriend is not a healthy relationship. And she broke off her relationship with her boyfriend. She continued to walk the steps. I hear you guys keep talking about your next step, right? She continued to walk her next step, and, and her pastor in her church saw something special in her. She literally had only been a Christian and following Jesus for about a year or two, and he said, Dawilda, I see something in you, and I want you to start teaching in our church. She was like, okay. She just said yes to everything, right? Like, she, okay, well, I'll do it. Like, if you tell me what I need to teach, I'll teach and so she started teaching other people about this Jesus that she was learning about. And as she continued to grow in her local church, there were people all over the district. And so all of our local churches are a part of something that's like, hey, we've got a big family called a district. Well, there were people in other churches that were like, that's Dawilda, She's pretty special. She's doing some good stuff. And they started to say, you know what? You're doing good stuff in your local church, but can you come help us with a lot of other churches? Can you come help us be in charge of some of the things that we're learning about? And she said, yes, I can do that. She was in her early 30s, and she started to hear about missions. And she said, oh, I, that's something I've not been involved in. I've heard of this thing called, called Sunday school. I, I know that youth get involved in things. She said, but missions, that's, that's something new for me. And as she started to learn about missions and be involved in the school of leadership, she said, I know that God wants me to be involved in missions. God continued to say, even though thou that you are so incredibly effective right here in the Dominican Republic, I want you to do this in another nation. And as she continued to walk the path with us, she applied for the program that we call Genesis, and we were looking for a team to send to Chihuahua, Mexico, which is a large city in Mexico that only one church of the Nazarene exists in currently. And so she said, I don't know what it's about. But I'll say yes. And she continued to say yes. She was received through the process. And in November of last year, she was approved and trained to be a part of Chihuahua's team. And as we are in the middle of this specific passage of Mark chapter 8, I want to remind you of what we're in the middle of talking about. A miracle that's in the midst of happening. Because Dawilda has been waiting for six months to get to Chihuahua, Mexico, because she can't get her visa. (laughs) That is the one thing that is stopping her from being able to get into the big city of Chihuahua with her team. She cannot get a visa to Chihuahua, Mexico. And so for Dawilda, she knows that God's called. She knows that God's prepared. She knows that the church is sending. She said yes everywhere along the way, but it seems as though it's still just
1: a little blurry.
0: It seems as though Jesus has kind of touched her once, and she's in the middle of the miracle.
1: There's another family that's very special to us, beautiful family, and they're Alan and Astrid Chong, and their three kids. Uh, they are from Monterey, Mexico, and they they during the pandemic they said we'd like to train ourselves we've had a mission's call since we were teens really and didn't even know each other as a couple uh, but really god's brought us together we'd like to train so they became part of our school of leadership and so online we're training them and we're just like these they're killing it these guys are amazing this is awesome. We didn't know their kids, but you know how it is. Sometimes on Zoom during the time, the, some kid will pop up, and you're like, who's that? You know, and what's going on? And either, they're just doing their best to try and study and still parent and still work and still do all this other stuff. We just thought they were dynamite. Well, they started to sense this call to Genesis. Remember, Genesis is really to get to the big cities. We use the word Genesis because it's a new beginning, a new start in these cities where we don't have a lot of presence. Sometimes just as the church of Nazarene, but sometimes just any church. There are certain barrios or neighborhoods that don't have any presence of any any church. So so what if they could go? Well, it's a family that would be more expensive. And where do it? We realized that we needed them, and a, specifically a family, a professional family, uh, a, a family where he's studying, actually. He, w- he had already felt a call to ministry, and so he, he's on, his, uh, on the track to become a pastor and, and a missionary. And so we realized, listen, you know, the perfect place for them, the place we need them is Mayaguez. Puerto Rico. Now, Mayaguez is in the west of Puerto Rico. It's a university town. This was working out perfectly. Literally, the, the person in charge in Puerto Rico was so excited. She, we, we went on an, a fact-finding mission, right? And we went to Mayaguez and literally the government was starting to open doors and be like, we need you. I was like, what? I'm not used to that. The <laughs> government says to the church, we need you? You know, I was like, God, you are moving. And then the, the the person we had in charge, she said, "You know what? Guess what? I finally found a place where they can live when they come, and, and 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 it's it's actually called the apartment complex is called Monterey. Now, Monterey, Mexico, is where they were from. I'm just like, Lord, Goosebumps, this is amazing. You know, you are providing everything. Literally, also the the finances, the two big obstacles were finances, but but Mexico started to just just rise up. And, and they, within three months, had $10,000 raised from their people in Mexico. We're like, this is, this is going to happen. And then the visa was the other one. You heard about Da as well. Well, how can they get a visa? Puerto Rico is essentially a United States visa. And so how can they get a visa there? Well, through some different contacts and different people, we had some legal representatives that even helped with that. And they were able to go. And three weeks before, they were supposed to receive their visa this was just like a week before Christmas you know we're kind of winding down the year and we're kind of okay we're starting to take vacation and we get a test and, and and their little girl abril had start she's five years old she had started to feel really weak they did a battery of tests they did a lot of they visited different doctors they found out a few days before Christmas that their five-year-old girl had leukemia I mean, here we were just excited. They were excited. The the church was responding. Even, I'm telling you, getting a U.S. visa? I mean, that's something. God is opening doors. God is providing. My abues is ready. What is going on? And and literally in the last four or five months, she's now started to undergo chemotherapy. She just finished, literally a a few days ago, we were in contact with them. She finished her fourth round of five uh, rounds of chemotherapy. Guys, I'm here to tell you, like, I still believe God has a plan for my young I still believe this family is called to be missionaries. I still believe that she will be healed. But I'm in the middle of the miracle. Hmm. I'm in the middle of the miracle, guys. I mean, I, right now, God's like, do you see anything? And I'm like, yes, I think. Hmm. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's blurry. I mean, it's like people, it's like I can see my young chain changed and transformed and i can see this family doing great things but it also just just looks like trees walking around it's just it's just blurry lord
0: so we ask for you to pray for your global family would you please pray that abria would be healed amen it's the cry of parents heart it's the cry of our heart would you pray that God would make a way for them to be able to fulfill the call that He's placed on their lives, because they have the most faith that I have ever seen of any young family? Yeah. Would you pray for that, Wilna? That she continues to wait in a process that we have no control over. Hmm. There is nothing more frustrating than waiting for visas, because you can do nothing except for wait. And sometimes being in the waiting room is the hardest place to be, right? We start to think, God, what in the world are you doing in this space? Hmm. The blind man probably felt that way in the middle of the miracle. He probably got to the point where he was in this space where he says, I, I, I believe, I can see. Jesus recognizes his faith. Jesus spits. He puts his hands on there. <laughs> what can you see? I see people, but they look like trees. It's all blurry, It's all blurry. I believe you have something bigger for me. I really believe it, but, like, if this is where we're going to end, it's still not as great as what I wanted it to be, right? And so I think in order to finish up this message, we need to see a little bit of the context of where this man comes in Mark's gospel, because Mark uses his whole entire book to tell us about Jesus's life. It's not about always the people that he's encountering. He, he tries to give us a glimpse into who Jesus is through his time on earth. And so when we get to Mark chapter 8, you might be able to see that that is almost the very center of the book of Mark. It's the very middle. And what happens right before we meet this blind man, Jesus is having an encounter with one of his main disciples, and his name is Peter. Peter. And he comes into the encounter with Peter, and he says, you've seen me all of these years doing all of these things. He's healed people. He's taught. He's done all of these wonderful things. And he gets to a point with Peter, and he says, and who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, obviously. You're Christ the Messiah. Like, he's, it's obvious. He knows that this is who Jesus is. He, he says it willingly. It's the first time that we see recorded that you are Christ the Messiah, and Jesus says right after it, and I'm going to die. And Peter says, well, that can't be the way it's going to happen. That's not what I thought was going to happen. Like, when the Messiah comes, like, he's coming to bring the kingdom, and we reign together, you're going to die. Like, that's not it. Peter had blurry vision of who Jesus was he'd been walking with Jesus for almost three years by this point in time and he still had a blurry vision of what Jesus was going to do and I think sometimes we need to remember that that's the way that Jesus works in our lives as well sometimes we think about Jesus and it's Scott already said we think in this miracle that maybe Jesus just ran out a little bit right like maybe he needed his Sabbath. Maybe he needed to get back to the, to the prayer closet, right? He's like, oh, I didn't pray enough in order for this miracle to go all the way through. That is not what we're saying here. It seems like Jesus wants us to see something in this man's life. Because Jesus at this moment in time when he talks with Peter, he turns his vision from what's going on in ministry on the earth and he turns his vision to the cross in Mark. This is the Hinge of Mark. He says, I'm going to start clarifying your vision now. Hmm. We sit here in Easter season. And Pastor Jeannie, you said it so well in the beginning of these times. Every Sunday we sit and and we celebrate the resurrection. That is who we are as Christians. But there was a moment in time that we didn't know he was going to rise. He said it, but we didn't understand it. And Jesus himself moves from the miracle and the preacher to becoming this person that's identified as a crucified Messiah. And how were any of us to truly comprehend such a radical plan for saving humanity? We see and hear everything that he tells us, but everything just looks a little blurry. But there's something to be said about how Jesus healed this man. Because there's a lesson in the spit, right? Gross, yes. Gross. Ugh. That's what it is. And so he, we're going to become indignant on behalf of the blind man. In these last few moments, I want you to sit in the seat of a blind man that somebody has just spit in your eyes. I want you to feel the, ugh. I want you to feel the, what in the world is going on
1: here? And that brings us to our blurry moment, right? What could God have been doing during a global pandemic? I mean, why is this happening? We all ask that at one point. But then you start to see maybe it's that he would have us adapt our training techniques. Maybe it would be that we would train up a mighty army, even if it's by Zoom, that would understand missions better. Why hasn't Da Wilda and even a few others, we don't, haven't had time for their story, but why haven't many from that team going to Chihuahua been able to get their visa? That's the last thing. They've been selected. They've been supported. They've, it's, everything's great. And we just need the government to say, okay, sure, you can come in. Why? Why would all the doors open for Mayaguez, Puerto Rico, and all of us get excited? Why doesn't he want that city to be impacted, to be transformed? Why would a little girl get cancer before Christmas only a few days before her amazing family was about to go to this city as missionaries? I mean, Jesus, hey, I mean, you know, I like when you do miracles, but I don't like when you do miracles that way. Hmm. I like when you do miracles, but could you kind of lay off the spit next time? I I love when you're doing miracles when it's a boom, yeah, you're done. But, man, I don't like the middle of it. I don't like the middle of it. Lord, what are you doing? And I'm not saying that God sent the pandemic, and I'm not saying that God sent cancer, or that he he said governments are going to, you know, shut down and and be the antithesis of of, uh, (laughs) of nice to different people around the world. I mean, they, they do that by themselves. Um, But I am saying that it would be just like God to act in the midst of things that are objectionable to us in order to bring about his purposes. He's a specialist in bringing beauty from ashes. You remember that Isaiah 61 passage? He's a specialist in bringing hope from despair. And it's confusing a lot of times. And and here we are, like we know, we get it, and we've been doing this for 20 years. We're supposed to just just get get you all excited and inspire you, and, and we hope we've done some of that. But at the same time, I think it's valuable to, to talk about a miracle where we don't really understand why it had to happen that way. And I think it's valuable to say a lot of us might be in the middle of a miracle. And one thing that I love about this congregation that I'm just now getting to, to know is that very often, almost always, from what I understand, you end at the table. Now it's named the table, of course, but you end at the table. There's a purpose behind that. And isn't it interesting that as we kind of finish this time, who are going to receive communion? Have you has anyone else noticed that when we come to the table, you know. Yes, we're, we're proclaiming Christ crucified. Yes, this is a celebration moment, but it's also mysterious. It's also mysterious. Sometimes we come and we say, but I'm not worthy. But then we also realize, but no one's worthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I mean, his sacrifice, he doesn't know my past. Well, he does know your past. Yeah. You know, it's a lot like this miracle. Sometimes we even come to the table and and we don't even think we're ready. And and are we sure? I mean, I know other people can be invited, but am I invited? And and he says, yeah, you're in the middle. You maybe haven't seen all that I want to do in you. You haven't seen all I want to do in your family. You haven't seen the miracle completely come to fruition. But I still want you to come. And I still want you to, in midst of the miracle, when things are blurry, to say, even when I don't see I trust in you. I accept your invitation. I accept your invitation and come. And so we're going to transition now. Certainly we have shared with you about some other countries. Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and others. We've shared about missions far away. But we always know that when God inspires us, and when God lifts up our eyes to see what's going on around us, When God breaks open the the scriptures for us, that, that has implications for right where we are. And so we're going to transition, but I would ask you as you come, it's a mystery. You don't have to have it all figured out. Maybe some of you have just a week ago accepted Christ. You're still learning. Hey, come to the table, come to the table, come to Jesus. You're in the middle of a miracle. You can't see to the end, but you're going to get there. And we're testifying and we're telling you, we don't know what that's going to look like for us, but we know we're going to get there. And we'll be back someday to tell you what happened in the lives of some of these people because it's going to happen. May God bless you.
0: If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at The Table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.